So how many of you, show of hands, have been on a mountain before? Most of you, yes, I would think so. But how many of you have climbed a mountain before? That's a good number that are here, to climb a mountain. I remember the first time that I was on one of the mountains out in California. It was Mount Baldy. It was an incredible view, one that I had no idea how beautiful it would be till we got up to the top. It happened to be one of those rare, clear days in Los Angeles. And as you stand near that snow-covered peak of Mount Baldy and the San Gabriel Mountains, you can look out over the L.A. basin, see the beautiful blue Pacific Ocean, see Catalina Island in the distance, just what I would call a breathtaking experience, something that I can still, if I close my eyes, picture. Mountains have that ability for us to go up on the mountain and to look down, to see what looks so small and so insignificant, kind of like the problems of the world vanishing and to feel really close to God. In fact, I remember one woman that I ministered to at one of my former churches who had lived in Colorado on the mountains for most of her life. She was here now because she had Alzheimer's and was in a home near her daughter who was taking care of her. But I remember as we met, she would always complain how Michigan was just flatland and that God wasn't here. God was in her mountains And she wanted to go back there someday. You know, I asked you how many of you climbed mountains. I drove or took a tram when we went up there. I was not the climber. Maybe went out on a trail to get a better view, but nothing like those of you who climb a mountain. And I know that for those of you that climb mountains, it's not about the exercise. You can get exercise anywhere It's about getting to the top. It's about mastering the mystery of something that someone else hasn't done. To stand in those places, to be someone who can do the climb. We can call that because it actually is a mountaintop experience. It can be life-changing and exhilarating. But we also know that there are those things we call mountaintop experiences that are figurative, that really don't mean that we are on a mountain, but something that has been life-changing to us. In fact, the definition of a mountaintop experience says this, that it is a temporary, uncommon encounter that is meant to give us a fresh awareness of reality and nearness. A temporary, uncommon encounter that is meant to give us a fresh awareness of reality and nearness. You know, many times people say they've had a mountaintop experience and that it has changed their life. It is significant and it affects them. There's an old Chinese story about a father and son who had developed a relationship that had come together fairly well and one day they agreed to climb one of the near mountains of their village. And so they went up and made it to the peak and they looked out over all the area. They felt tranquil tranquil and thankful. And so they agreed that this was the most beautiful time they had ever spent together. As they journeyed then back down the mountain, some tension began to grow between the two of them. The father was critical of the son and the son retorted back in harsh words to the father. They were angry when they got back down to the bottom. After their anger had subsided, they came together and agreed 
about the time that they had spent up on that mountain, that in the future what they would do is remind one another of that day, of how their relationship truly was a wonderful thing. And so that happened. Any time in the future where there was a conflict, one of them would write on a piece of paper, the mountain, and they would remember that relationship and how it was. Some of these events, some of these mountaintop experiences have the power to shape us and to move us into the future. So it is with today's text, with our gospel. It is a mountaintop experience literally and figuratively for the disciples of Jesus Christ. We call it the transfiguration. It's a big word. It's a translation of what the literal word means in the Greek. The Greek, I think, is almost more telling than the translation of it. The Greek word is metamorpho, from which we get our word metamorphosis. That there was a change that took place for Jesus. He changed from what his disciples saw of Jesus of Nazareth, fully man, to seeing Jesus, the eternal Son of God, on that mountain. Now there were long, long theological explanations to all that's taking place on that mountain. Things that I remember in seminary took a week of explanation and looking at. More time than we have now. But it's important that we understand some of the basics of what is going on on that mountain and why this is taking place and why the disciples needed to see this. Before chapter 17 in Matthew, Jesus has been all over the countryside healing. He has fed thousands upon thousands of people. And even in those events, the people tried at that point to make him an earthly king. This is a constant battle and struggle that goes on in Jesus, all of his earthly ministry. This struggle of people misunderstanding his mission, wanting him to be the type of king that they see on earth. He's always fighting against that. And even before this event, when he took the disciples aside and he said, who do men say I am? And they replied, Elijah or one of the prophets. Jesus asked them once more, and Peter responded in that great confession, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God, to which Jesus said, my Father has revealed this to you. But then when Jesus began to tell them of his true mission on earth, that the Son of Man must suffer and die for the sake of the world, that he would be handed over to the chief priests and the rulers to be flogged and killed and crucified, and on the third day, rise again. Peter's response at that point was, never, Lord, never will these things happen to you. And Jesus' reply to Peter was, these things must be. You see, the disciples didn't fully understand what the Scriptures had to say about the role and the mission of Messiah. So as Jesus went up on this mountaintop, he revealed to them more than they had ever expect, expected in this experience. Hear these words once again from our gospel. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun. His clothes became as white as the light. And just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Moses and Elijah. 
You know, I have to admit, every time I read this occurrence, there is that little cynical side of me that says, how did they know it was Moses and Elijah? But I know it was the revelation of the Holy Spirit as Matthew is writing this. But Moses and Elijah are more than just those ancient patriarchs of old. They represent something to those disciples. They represent the law and the prophets. They represent all of Scripture. And what Scripture has to say, and Jesus is talking with them. And Matthew doesn't reveal to us exactly that conversation. But if we would go out of Matthew and look at the book of Luke, Luke uses the word to say they were talking about his exodus. That might seem strange to us. Exodus, that event that took place in the Old Testament. But the exodus that took place in the Old Testament is just a precursor of what Jesus came to do for you and for me. As Israel was in bondage to Pharaoh, so we, the world, was in bondage to sin and to slavery under the rule of our Pharaoh, Satan. As Israel was taken by Moses through the Red Sea, the Scriptures tell us, so through the waters of our baptism, we are taken out of that bondage. As they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, so we in our life on earth wander through this wilderness until we get to that place where we too cross over the River Jordan to the Promised Land as they did. When we are home in heaven, So what they were talking about with Jesus is what his mission was, to come and to give his life, to talk about what would take place, how he was going to deliver the world by his death and resurrection. He had just told them about what was happening, the cross. And these witnesses, Moses and Elijah, testified about all the Scripture would say about what Messiah had truly come to do to be the suffering servant for the sins of the world. And we smile when we see Peter's response. Do you remember what it was as we just heard? He basically says, Lord, this is a mountaintop experience. Let's stay here. And that's the problem sometimes with mountaintop experiences. We don't want to go on with normal life. We don't want to go back down the mountain to where things are not this exhilarating, this exciting, to a normal life where these moments are just something that we hold on to and remember. But the truth of our life as followers of Jesus Christ is that life is lived down off the mountain on the plain. And what we do with the experiences that you and I have of the mountaintops that we have when we come together to worship our Lord and Savior show what that experience truly means in our lives. How it affects us and how we will go on. On April 3, 1968, on the eve of his assassination, Martin Luther King delivered his final speech in the following words. He said this, I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead. But it doesn't matter with me now. Because I've been to the mountaintop. And I don't mind. Like anybody, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place. But I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. And He's allowed me to go up to the mountain." And I've looked over and I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, 
But I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. And I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. My eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. For Martin Luther King, his mountaintop experience shaped him, motivated him, molded him into the future, knowing that whatever would come, nothing could take that away, nothing could harm him. He belonged to the Lord. And so it would do the same for Jesus' disciple, Peter, James, and John. As we hear Peter write about what he saw, as we know John testified, we have seen his glory, glory of the one and only Son, full of grace and truth. They testified about what they had seen. It molded and it shaped them forever as they went on with the mission that Jesus had given them to proclaim the true mission of Jesus, his suffering and his death, the mission that he came to redeem and to save. You know, we as a people are perched once again on the 60 days of Lent that begin this Wednesday with Ash Wednesday. It is a journey we will take once again through the suffering of Jesus Christ. Oh, it's not the exhilarating stuff of a mountaintop experience. It's hard because we'll deal with pain and agony and suffering and death. The things of this life that most people would rather avoid and do without. You know, from the ancient Greeks, there is a story of a man who was dying and he decided that he would climb Mount Olympus to go and appeal to the gods to grant him more life. And so as he climbed and made his way to that mountain, at one point a priest passed him. And the priest saw the man and asked him what he was doing. He told him his goal and the priest responded to him in these words, Do you not know that the gods of Mount Olympus will never look on the form of a dying man? How incredible it is that our God, that Jesus Christ, our Savior, not only looks on our dying form, but takes our dying flesh and washes it in the water of His baptism to give us new life, to give us eternal life forever. That He takes us and feeds us on the very bread come down from heaven, His own body and blood, that we may be nourished and strengthened, a true mountaintop experience in our lives that binds us forever, that gives us faith and strength to live our lives in the plane of this life. Jesus came into our world in order that we would be the recipients of his life, his suffering, his death, that we might know from eternity the plan that God had to redeem you and me, people who were broken and dying, to give us hope and to give us life. May we return again and again to the mountaintop experience of Jesus who has given us life forever and filled us with his hope and his grace that we, as we live out our lives every day on the plain, may be people who can transfer that hope and grace through the power of the Spirit to those around us, that they truly may know. They too have seen the mountain. They have seen the promised land in Jesus Christ. For we have crossed over from death into life. We are with him forever in his grace and in his glory.
Amen.